All right, welcome to the program. You can listen to Gordon Lightfoot's voice um, forever, and I probably will. And if you're a fan of Gordon Lightfoot, you probably will too. And I kick off the program here today with uh, uh, a quick couple of thoughts on the passing of a um, of a Canadian legend. And really, whenever I say Canadian legend in reference to Gordon Lightfoot, I always have to stop myself. When you look at the accolades that came in last night, it wasn't exclusive to Canadians. It was... A lot of Americans, um, not necessarily musicians, but fans, uh, other artists, um, internationally acclaimed artists as well. Um, But he's one of ours, right? Like Gordon Lightfoot was ours. He was our guy. And there have been, you know, other people that have written, other musicians, other bands that have written songs, uh, which may have been more popular uh, than Lightfoot songs. But I don't think that this country has ever had or maybe will ever have someone whose music will endure from generation to generation to generation. Beautiful songs, uh, a haunting voice, which hangs on to you as it does with me. If you're a fan of Gord, you know what I'm talking about here. Um, And really intelligent lyrics as well. And if you ever went to any of the live shows, and I went to probably between 50 to 60 Gordon Lightfoot shows in, in, uh, in, uh, uh, in my career as a, someone that's, uh, that chased musicians all across the country. Um, you know how people used to follow the Grateful Dead everywhere they went? Uh, and now the thing is, how many Bruce Springsteen shows have you been to? Like I know Brad Fay, our colleague here at Sportsnet, he's approaching triple digits uh, for Springsteen, which is remarkable. Um, Gordon was my guy. You know, I never missed Massey Hall shows ever. Um, that was a staple from, geez, I can't even remember when I started to go to the Massey Hall shows. Uh, my mom would always tell me that when I was a kid, the first, I think one of the first shows that I ever saw, like there were two. One was the Irish Rovers. This was at High Park in the west end of the city of Toronto when they used to do shows. They used to do concerts right by Grenadier Pond. Irish Rovers was one. Uh, and she told me to uh, as well, she thinks that the first show I ever saw down there as well was Gordon Lightfoot. Uh, always loved the music. Um, got to know the man a little bit, very, very little bit um, uh, later on in his life uh, through someone you're going to hear from later on in the program today. And that's Barry Keane, his longtime drummer, who joins me in hour two. There's some great stories about uh, Gordon and sports and specifically Gordon and Hockey, you know, this morning on uh, on CBC News Network, Heather Hiscox was talking to Daryl Sittler, uh, former Toronto Maple Leafs captain, and he was telling the stories of uh, how Gordon would, you know, longtime hockey fan, uh, Gordon at Maple Leaf Gardens would sit behind the Toronto Maple Leafs bench, and then after the games, they'd go to a, a steakhouse on Church Street uh, around the corner from Maple Leaf Gardens, a place called Bigliardi's. Not there anymore. Um, Bigliardi's um, was the spot where everybody from the Maple Leafs organization, uh, it seems, used to go. And I remember Bill Waters would tell me all the stories about how after games they'd have a drink in the coach's office and then it was off to Bigliardi's for steaks and more scotch. Um, and then after they would uh, have their have their meal, the Maple Leafs and Gordon Lightfoot, and then Gord would take them to his Rosedale house, and they'd sit and they have more drinks and play songs and listen to music till the uh, to the wee hours of the morning. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of memories about Gordon Lightfoot and have a lot of stories about Gordon Lightfoot. Um, the big one for me was 2010. Um, uh, my then girlfriend, now wife, 
was pregnant with our first child and we were trying to plan the right time to tell the in-laws, okay, how are we going to spring this one on the in-laws? And this was December, which meant Gordon Lightfoot time at Massey Hall. And so I called Barry and I said, Barry, I, I need a I need a big favor. And Barry would always spiff me tickets for the the Massey shows. He's such a generous man. Uh, I said, um, we want to have we want to plan a perfect night for when we tell uh, Claire's folks that uh, they're going to be grandparents. And so he got us four like, wonderful seats, balcony seats. Um, there's not a bad seat in Massey Hall. There never has been. Um, four balcony seats, and in one of those perfect moments, and we uh, every now and then everybody has a perfect moment in their life, and sometimes you recognize it at the moment, and sometimes you look back and you say, I didn't realize it then, but that was a really perfect moment for me in my life. Thankfully for me, I recognized it at that time. You know, sometimes the universe just, you know, exposes itself to you, and its beauty, you know, reveals itself. I can still remember... Um, sitting there with, uh, with Claire and my in-laws and just looking at them as Gordon was playing and thinking to myself, you know, at the end of this concert, we're going back uh, to our place and we're going to tell them that they're, uh, they're going to become grandparents. It was for me. Like when you look at moments in your life that are perfect, that are ideal, that will stick with you your entire life, that was top of the list for me. It was one of those beautiful, beautiful moments. And Gordon Lightfoot was a soundtrack for it. And maybe if you're like me, Gordon Lightfoot was a soundtrack for a lot um, of what you did, whether it was in the background, whether it struck you profoundly, whether you listened to him in concert with a bunch of people, or whether you just listened to Gordon Lightfoot alone, maybe at your house after a couple of drinks, after smoking a joint, whatever it was for you, Gordon Lightfoot hit a lot of chords for a lot of people for a lot of years in this country. We lost Gordon yesterday at the age of 84. His music endures. These songs will be with us forever. Barry Keane shares some stories about um, working with Gordon, uh, his friendship with Gordon coming up in hour two. And if you have any you'd like to share yourself, We'll get them in the conversation. Um, just either, uh, you know, best thing to do is either DM me on Twitter or uh, I've started a thread of Gordon Lightfoot stories if you want to share some of those. Gordon Lightfoot stories coming up in hour two with Barry Keene, his longtime drummer. Bless you, Gordon, and condolences to the Lightfoot family. Elliot Friedman on the other side. Let's get going. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Also, as we move along here on the program to, uh, to hockey, John Forslund coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Seattle Kraken play-by-play voice, also from the NHL on TNT. We'll talk about that remarkable series against the Colorado Avalanche and round two, which begins in earnest this evening for the Kraken. Also, David Amber from the NHL on Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. Vince McCogliano from lowhut.com, and I already mentioned Barry Keen, a longtime drummer for Gordon Lightfoot, will stop by in hour two. In the meantime, Elliot Friedman is here to discuss everything going on around the NHL, which includes the New Jersey Devils moving on and the New York Rangers now surrounded by questions. Elliot, good afternoon. How are you today? I'm good, Jeff. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. Do you? Uh, we'll kick it off. Do you have any Lightfoot memories or, or thoughts? I mean, this is—it's not every day that uh, that our country loses someone who is as much of an international music legend as uh, as Gordon was. Uh, were you a fan? Uh, any songs you like? Anything about Gordon Lightfoot? 
I, you know, I saw him at uh, Massey Hall once. I think twice, actually. Um, you know, mm. you know, like just. I mean, I, I don't know really what to say that hasn't been said. I, I think that uh, for me, like there were times when my mind was racing in a million different directions, and I would put on some of his music, and it just kind of slowed down the world. Yeah. Like, I think that was yeah, I like that. That was that's the thing that I really think about a lot. Like, particularly in university, I had a roommate in my first year who was really who really liked Gordon Lightfoot's music, and uh, I think that probably made me even more of a fan. I think it was the only thing that me and that roommate liked about each other was Gordon Lightfoot, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. And and uh, there were the, there were a lot of times, like I said, when the world was going fast, that he slowed it down for me. Yeah. So, that's kind of what I think. That's, that's beautiful. Uh, I like that. He's a he's a he's a peacemaker. He's the uh, he was your your Henry Kissinger at uh, University of Western Ontario. Very nice. Um, <laughs> okay, so to hockey, the New Jersey Devils move on. The New York Rangers uh, say goodbye. This is not the way it was supposed to go uh, for the Broadway Blue Shirts. Um, whether it's their moves around trade deadline. Um, whether it's, you know, uh, as, as the roster is constructed to sort of peak this season. Um, before we get to the New Jersey side of things here, and, and they move on now to face off against the Hurricanes, what happens with the Rangers? You know, you're, you're Chris Drury here. What's job number one for New York? Well, look, like, I, I think we all know what's going to happen. They, you know, there, there's going to be like, a, it sounds like there's going to be a biblical sacrifice here. There's, there's, there's too much noise that not to think that there isn't going to be a coaching change. And um, look, like, like you, you look at, you look at the production last night of the Rangers in this series. Um, I'm not sure any coach survives players like Panarin and Lafreniere having the series that they had. Like, um, you know, you can, people can complain uh, all they want about all oh, we didn't adjust fine i mean that the, the when you happen when, when you lose everybody nobody gets away unscathed but like you could get the best coach the best adjusting coach in the national hockey league and if that's the production you get from some of your top players particularly at five on five you're not going to win um it's it's that simple and uh while gallant may end up taking the fall um, I think they're going to have to look at some of the players on their, their roster and say, do we really think we can win uh, with these players performing like this? And uh, I, I think both things uh, – and, and that's the way I'm looking at it. Like, you watched that game last night. From the first shift, New Jersey's two most important forwards, Hisher and Hughes, they were buzzing. Yeah. Like, I know some people thought that at times Hughes was getting a little too concerned about barking at the referees. You can, like, it, it's, my, it's my standard line. Like, you can calm, I'd rather calm a stallion than try to rev up like a dopey donkey, right? Like, like Hughes and Hisher <laughs> last night, they came to play. They came to play. Yeah. From the first shift, those two guys were out there and they were buzzing. And it was noticeable. And I just thought too many of New York's best players, especially the forwards, yeah. were not there. Like it, it's amazing how lifeless New York went down last night. 
Yeah. Dopey Donkey, I thought, was a, a grunge band from Seattle around uh, like 1997, was. 1998, I just seem to recall. Anyhow, it's a, I'd say that's a, that, that's a wonderful visual. Um, you, you mentioned Heesher there a second ago, and I, I got a text from a friend of mine last night watching the game, and he's like, there it is. There it is again. There it is again. I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, it seems as if Nico Heesher's MO all, se- all, all series long was to either stand right in front of Igor Shosturkin or, and maybe in some cases both, fall on him consistently. You know, we talked about how, how gravity works differently in, in blue paint for some reason around hockey players. And he was yep. saying, like, does it not seem odd to you that every time that Heesher's near Shosturkin, he's falling on him? Well, you know what? We're going to see plenty of that. Uh, we're going to see plenty of that in, in Toronto because Matthew Kachuk is here. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. There's, oh, there, yeah, there's no question about that. I mean, you know, I, I'm big into protecting the goalies. Um, you know, I'm. I, I think that it's the position where you can at least, where you can least accept injury. So I don't like that very much. I have to tell you. Uh, if it's if it's accidental on purpose, I'm I'm not crazy about it, um, and I'll I'll look. I didn't. I honestly have to say I wasn't seeing that as much. Doesn't mean it's wrong, but the bottom line is, like I thought, New Jersey's two franchise forwards, and those guys are paid like yeah. they're franchise forwards. They came to play, right from the first shift last night. And aside from Schmid, yeah, I I thought they were the biggest differences in the game. I I really did. The, um, absolutely. And, you know, we talked about the goalie situation and, you know, was that the right decision? Clearly it was. You know, there, there was there was one other player that I thought was kind of pivotal here for the New Jersey Devils. And we saw this front and center yesterday. And that is and that was John Marino. You know, at, at the end of all of this, when you look at this series... I know that, you know, to your point, you know, Panarin, they needed more. Zibanejad, they needed more. Alexi Lafreniere, they needed more, et cetera, et cetera. Go down the list. But let's not, let, let's give New Jersey some credit here. Like, New Jersey yep. shut down what should have been, and we saw it in games one and two for each, you know, putting up a five spot each night. They shut down what should have been an elite performance of goal scoring by the New York Rangers. I think we really got to hand it to them. I think Schmid's a great story, mm-hmm. but very quietly here, I think John Marino had a really nice series. I think a lot of the Devils did. And, you know, like, what's our, you know, what is the, Jeff, what is the 32 thoughts formula for winning in the playoffs? Great goaltending. They got it. <laughs> yeah. Your top players, yeah. like your, your superstars play at an elite level. They got it. And you get depth, useful depth. And Marino is a perfect example. And so is, you know, McLeod. Like yeah. he had his sport since January 4th. He scored the first goal in the game. So I, I think that yeah. the, ring, like the Devils got all of those things last night. All of them came to deliver. They're, they're goaltending, their stars, and their depth. And, and that's why they're in the second round. There's, everybody came to play. Like, if you were to pick a, a team based on, you know, how these two teams played last night, how many Devils would you pick before you picked the Ranger? And that's, that's, a, that's a, a really bad thing to happen to you in, in a game seven. Uh, one more thing on the Rangers, and I want to talk about the, the Maple Leafs and Florida Panthers, and it looks like Alex Lyon may get the start tonight for the Cats. More on that in a couple of moments. Um, Patrick Kane, 
Vladimir Tarasenko, the return of Tyler Motts, uh, Nico Mikola uh, comes in for some size on the back end here. Um, any idea or any thought what happens to, to these players? And I think front and center, we're thinking of Patrick Kane. We talked about him a lot going back to last summer. And, you know, was he going to end up in Edmonton? Was he going to end up in uh, Colorado? Ultimately, he ends up with the New York Rangers where he wanted to go. Didn't exactly work out, how shall we say, swimmingly for Patrick Kane yeah. and the New York Rangers. You have a thought on, on what's next for the future Hall of Famer? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is does he need to get some work done on his hip? I, I you know, I, I think that's kind of one of the things that they were talking about when the decision was being made about Chicago or or the Rangers or what was going to happen at the deadline. I know there was a discussion about look if you if you don't get traded or you don't play the rest of this year, you can get whatever work done you need to get done, and then you can be ready for the start of next year. And, and what was raised was the possibility if he was traded and, played and went to the Rangers, he, if there was a chance that he might need to have work done and could miss the start of next year. So I don't know where that stands right now, Jeff. So I think it comes down to does he need any work done, and if so, what does that mean for his timeline? By the way, someone okay. just sent me a hilarious, yeah. someone just sent me a hilarious note. They're asking if Rev Up and Dopey Donkey is also an Einstein quote. <laughs> By the way, I that was it sounds like okay, so the, the quote that Elliot's referencing is from last week, which is it got a lot of play, and the, the quote is, um, uh, everyone's a genius. If you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll spend the rest of its life thinking it's an idiot. Now, that has been attributed to Einstein, although some maintain wrongly attributed to Einstein. So that is still very much very much out there, Elliot, so that I don't think there's been okay. a definite conclusion as to who actually said that. So you might get off, Elliot, on that one, on a technicality. So you might be okay it. at the end of uh, at the I'll end of it. all of this. Take it, yeah, I'll take take it. Take it. Um, what do you look for tonight? So here we go. The second round is is uh, is getting underway this evening, and I think we're all very much looking forward to how the Maple Leafs play. Now that they have the pianos off their back, the weight of history uh, is gone. The Maple Leafs and the Panthers game one tonight. Later on this evening, it's the Seattle Kraken against the the Dallas Stars. Bracket that late game for a second. What are you looking for in the early game here? I mean, Florida's coming in after you know slaying the Big Dragons in Boston. Um, what do you look for with them against the Maple Leafs? in game one well I, I think with the that series i think a lot of us are very curious now that the maple leafs have, have gotten out of round one prison like do they play that the, the weight is off their shoulders like how much does this team change i'm i'm very very curious about that because i think the panthers will be very loose they they've proven that they're playing with house money um even though kachuk said that nobody in the room was surprised i think you're sitting here and you're saying never had it didn't necessarily didn't necessarily believe you'd be here. Um, the whole yeah. if Lyon is starting tonight, the whole Lyon Bobrovsky thing is is very interesting. You know that says to me that they believe that Bobrovsky has a workload and they're not going past that workload. So um, I think that's pretty fascinating. Look, like you know, like Kachuk had an incredible playoff. Montour had an incredible playoff. Um, it's, you know, like those are the kinds of guys that, um, and you take a look at the whole, that, that Bennett line, uh, Boston never had an answer for them. And, you know, Toronto's going to have to have an answer for them. 
that it was a real difference maker once he came back in that series. So, you know, I, I think that I'm really fascinated to see it. I, I think that nobody's going to take Florida lightly. Nobody takes anyone lightly who ends up in the second round of the playoffs. And uh, I, I think it's going to be like, you know, like I think it's going to be really interesting and really fascinating. I think it, I think it will be. You know, we'll uh, we'll see two thirds of one of the greatest junior hockey lines of all time in action yeah. against each other tonight. Uh, Mitch Marner with the London Knights playing on a line with uh, Christian Dvorak and uh, and Matthew Kachuk. Uh, so yeah. now we'll see Marner versus Kachuk. And like, do you think it's too strong, Elliot, to suggest that one of the mistakes the Bruins made in the series against the Panthers is they let this become Matthew Kachuk versus the Bruins? as opposed to the Florida Panthers versus the Boston Bruins. I mean, one of the things that Maple Leafs are going to have to pay attention to here is don't get carried away with chasing Kachuk all over the ice or trying to get in that extra lick or trying to do whatever to Matthew Kachuk. Listen, Kachuk was a huge factor in the opening round. If you're the Maple Leafs, what do you do with the Matthew Kachuk situation? Well, I, I think the the one thing is is that you you know he's going to be who he is, right? And you just can't let it yeah. bother you. Like the the place where it stood out was on the goal that sent it to overtime by Montour. And you brought it up on the pod yeah. about how Swayman's taking shots at Kachuk instead of getting over to face the shot. And you know that's the one thing you can't allow to happen. Like Matthew Kachuk is Matthew Kachuk. If he chooses to be a pain in the ass there's not much you can do about it. You just have to say, you can do what you want, but we're going to do what we do. And I, I think that, like, the one thing I really think, like, as much as Kachuk drove the Bruins crazy, the Bruins lost that series because they weren't the Bruins. They, they lost, for whatever reason, they got overly nervous. They weren't themselves. Like, they didn't play like the Bruins should play. Yeah. And I think if Toronto can stick to look, you do what you do and we're going to do what we do, I think they're going to be okay. I I think that's how you avoid it. You know, it's interesting, you know, Jeff, we made a comment on the pod yesterday about how Edmonton took Kachuk out of the series last year. And people thought that a lot of that was Evander Kane. They credited him for kind of neutralizing Kachuk. Mm. I got a really interesting phone call about that uh, last night. And I was talking with someone, this is someone who was involved in the series, and they said that um, for whatever reason last year, Kachuk, I don't know, he, like he said he couldn't find the exact right word. I don't think if he, uh, I, I think he said like, I don't know if allowed is the right word, but he kind of said like he almost allowed himself to be taken out of that series. And I didn't know if what it was or whatever happened, but he said this year Kachuk did not allow it to happen. He's like, no matter what happened out there, he wasn't going to be taking himself out of the series. And he said that's the big – he credited Kachuk. He said that's the, the biggest growth he saw in him in the first round is that, like I said, last year, whether it was Kane, whether it was the Oilers, whatever the situation was, Kachuk was, was not the same player in that second round. And in this round, he did not allow that to happen. And he said the player deserves a lot of credit for it. You know, what? one of the things about, um, please take no offense to this, Florida Panthers fans, smaller market teams facing off against the Toronto Maple Leafs, specifically in the playoffs, is it's the big stage with tons of media 
And so a lot of hockey fans get used to a lot of names that they might not be that acquainted with. Um, you know, I, I look at the Florida Panthers and say, you know, even though Aaron Eckblad is an Ontario kid and, you know, played with the Barry Colts, you know, I, I don't know that I don't know that hockey fans understand just how good Aaron Eckblad is and a player like um, Anton Lundell, for example. Are there players on the Florida Panthers that for you, you think, OK, big stage, bright lights, crazy amounts of media on both teams here? Who are some of the players you think don't get enough attention in the NHL because they play in Sunrise and they don't play anywhere in uh, in Canada that probably deserve more attention by now? Well, I think Barkov gets a lot of that, but I think he's gotten his attention. Uh, you know, the one guy who yeah. said, the one person who said to me, a player who had a really good year, who nobody, he's not a superstar player, but he stepped up and had a, a, a really good year for them, was Forsling. Now, we'll see how he does, but I had, I had a few people say to me that Forsling was a guy who had a really good year, but I think the guy in the first round was Montour. And, um, you know, Montour, everybody's known he can score, but, he, you know, he took his game to another level this year. Number one, he had 70 points, but number two, and this is why I, I think we were putting together a pack on this for tonight, but how many battles he won in his own zone. Like, he had a reputation as a bit of a wild man, like a one-man system. Like, everybody would play one way, and he would just play, like, uh, someone jokingly called it Montour hockey. Like, you never knew where he was going to be. And, you know, I think, I think that's one of the reasons he's been on a few different teams is because it was tough for – like, teams felt it was tough for him to play – to get him to play a system. Well, whatever the case is, Florida found it this year, and, and credit to the player, but – like, first of all, on the power play, he's like a one-man entry machine. And secondly, like, if you, yeah. watch, if you watch that series, you know, he won a lot of battles in his own zone. And I, to me, that's what the playoffs is all about. The playoffs is all about there's a puck, there's a guy on one team, there's a guy on the other team, who's getting the puck? Mm-hmm. And Montour did a lot of that uh, very well uh, in, the, uh, in the first round. By the way, I thought you were talking about Toronto and Florida. I thought you were going to talk about this ticket thing. I thought that's where you were going about the Panthers. Oh. Uh, no, but go, it off. go for it. Not not only only selling tickets to to Florida residents here. They're going to get primacy. It, well, this fires this up is, all the time. This, this <laughs> is this is not a new thing. Um, it's been done before. Yeah. I would like to think if I owned a sports team, I probably wouldn't do it. Um, I, I think if anything, what I would probably say is I close the window for a certain amount of time. And then after I yes. open it up, maybe that's what I would consider doing. Like I remember one year, the, the Penguins and the Capitals were playing in the playoffs and the Capitals restricted certain po- uh, zip codes. They said, cause they knew that these were like Pennsylvania zip codes and it wouldn't work for you to yeah, buy a ticket. That. So it, it's not new. I, like, I would like to think if I was an owner, at the very least, it would be about, hey, we're going to restrict it to our group for a little bit, but then we'll open. I think we know two things here. Number one, if the Toronto fans want to go down there, you're not going to be able to stop them. And number two, like in this day and age, um, some of those tickets will end up in the secondary market and or there'll yeah. be Canadians with or who are snowbirds who have, U.S.-based credit cards who, 
you know, buy the tickets. That now, it, it's kind of this whole thing is kind of weird because I think we were supposed to have Game Three on Saturday, and you know the Heat are playing that day, so the whole thing has been kind of thrown into hmm. some degree of craziness. Um, real quick before I wrap up, and I, and Dallas Aikens, by the way, makes his uh, his debut tonight. So very much looking yep. forward to that as part of the panel. Um, uh, thoughts on Dallas and Seattle here tonight? So I mean, both games tonight on on Sportsnet and CBC are intriguing. Uh, Seattle yep. coming off the big uh, upset against the Colorado Avalanche, and I'll tell you, I mean, Ottinger is a big story, but we talk about Seattle and their depth. But yeah. if we're looking at, hey, what's the game within the game here? It's Ottinger versus Grubauer, et cetera, and D versus D. Dallas is a deep team too, man. Like Dallas yeah. looks Dallas looks frighteningly good. You have a thought on both these squads before they tee off on game one? Well, you know, I, I think obviously Seattle deserves a lot of respect. That was no fluke. Like they, they earned that. I think the difference between Dallas yeah. and Colorado is Dallas is deeper than Colorado is at this time. Like Dallas, you cannot blame this on Dallas on Colorado star players. They were excellent. They they gave them everything that they were supposed to give them. I think Seattle got their goaltending was better. Grubauer had an awesome series, and they outdepth Colorado. I don't think they're going to be able to do that against Dallas. Now mm-hmm. Dallas's best best players like Hintz, he had an unbelievable series. Hastings had an unbelievable Ooh. series. Um, I think it's a harder challenge for Seattle. I don't think that means they're incapable, but I, I just think Dallas's depth will pose a challenge that the Kraken didn't have to deal with in the first round. Going to be a good one. Uh, okay, uh, Elliot, as always, thank you. Uh, get your rest. Uh, get your walk-in. Uh, big doubleheader tonight on CBC and Sportsnet. It is the Panthers and the Leafs, 7 o'clock, 9.30. Uh, would be Dallas and Seattle on CBC and Sportsnet Hockey Central. Your pregame show with Ron McClain gets underway at 6.30. And Dallas Aikens to the panel. Thanks, Fridge. Enjoy your afternoon. All right. Speak to you later tonight. There he is. Yes, another marathon podcast later on tonight when everything is done. Uh, coming up here in a couple of moments, going to talk to John Forslund, Seattle Kraken play-by-play voice. Get on the Kraken page here, and as we go to break, I'm just going to read some of these because some of these are coming in that are just fantastic. I put out there, if you have any Gordon Lightfoot memories or thoughts or experiences, please send them along, and we'll get them as part of the conversation here throughout the show, and then later with Barry Keane, his longtime drummer. This in from Raj. First meeting with Mr. Lightfoot was 1960. 67 Toronto at a lounge above the Steak and Burger restaurant on Young Street. He played to a crowd of eight people and was thankful for us coming a great one-man show. More Gordon Lightfoot memories throughout the show. Uh, send them in on Twitter, DM, or just join the thread. John Forslund coming up in a couple of moments. We're talking about the Seattle Kraken game one tonight against the Dallas Stars. Merrick Show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now.